Welcome back, everyone, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 73, and I am your host, not Dave Matthews. And I'm Mike McKenna, your roadie for this trip. <laughs> Sorry, I had to play that for you. It's been on your mind all day long. It has, so. in fact, been in my head all week long, yes. Um, all right, what's going on today in history? Yes. 1789. March 4th in 1789. 1789. Uh, George Washington took the oath of office as the first president. No, sir, a very close guess. The first session of the U.S. Congress is held oh, in New York in City, City as the U.S. Constitution takes effect. Yeah. However, however, of the 22 senators and 59 representatives called to represent the 11 states who had ratified the document, only nine senators and 13 representatives showed up to work. So. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Things really haven't changed. All the that more much. things change, the more they stay the same, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, here's another one, a little bit more somber. 1994. March 4th, 1994. I was a young man. Um, Bill Clinton. Don't think too hard. You're not I can't. Guess. I was going to say, I can't. John Candy died of a heart attack. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, he was a pretty good actor. He was fun. And a relatively young guy when he died, right? Mm-hmm. 50, 43. 43. Yeah, 43. Okay, and the last which one shows, for the... tells you how old we are. <laughs> the last one for the week. Man. In 2005, on this date... I have no clue. Billionaire mogul Martha Stewart is released from a federal prison <gasps> near Alderson, West Virginia, after serving five months... For lying about her sale of I'm M-Clone not, stock. I'm not a big fan of Martha, but that, that whole thing was the most bogus thing ever. And I'm very, very glad that the um, that the Destiny Fairies decided they were going uh, to make her a bunch of money off it anyhow. And also that she has a tremendous uh, working partnership with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I'm telling you, she gets the whole street cred. Thing. Oh, yeah. I like it. It is very good. I like very it. Very good. Yeah, I don't think she'd have done that if she hadn't been in the joint, right? <laughs> All right, well, let's get to a little bit more serious matter. This land war in Europe, shall we? Sure. What do you want to start with? How about if I start with how it's going to end? Uh, sure. Only two possible conclusions, right? King Putin is um, successful in leveling the Ukrainian people and installing a puppet regime. Or they withhold, um, they, they hold up resistance for an extended period of time and eventually... Somebody in Russia, King Putin, does, goes into that room that does um, something about him. Does that Tommy about went him. in and Goodfellas, yeah, 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 does something about him, right? It could just be, a, it could be a bloodless coup as well. Um, I can't believe a United States Senator actually put this out on a tweet last night. Which one, Rubio, Lindsey Graham? Oh, he said, yeah, somebody in Washington should pop this guy. I'm just like, yeah, oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, dude, that was you're a little, United States yeah. Senator. You're not supposed to say yeah. stuff like that. You know who's been doing some good re- real time stuff is Marco Rubio on Twitter. I don't know if you followed him you at know, all. Yeah, I followed. I follow Senator Rubio, and you know, there's a couple of guys who are who are who are in there who are not in the right jobs in the United States Senate, or re- I should say, are not yet in the right jobs. One of them is Ted Cruz, right? He should be a Supreme Court justice. He just I, should I, Trump should have nominated. He should have been, instead of Kavanaugh, it should have been you, Ted Cruz. You, and you know what? He didn't want the job. But let me tell you what. Trump should have stood up 
at a press conference and, just and announced his name anyway. I, I remember. And it. you know what would have happened? He would have gotten unanimous sure. support. Because everybody would have wanted him out of the Senate. Exactly. It, it, when you said it at the time, I was like, yes, that's exactly what he should have done. Don't ask him. Don't just interview do him. Just do it. He would be so good there. Not to say he's not good where he's at. So Senator Rubio is um, probably on the on the beginning part of a long career as a very important thinker in American foreign policy. Yeah, I, we have talked about him as it relates to China as well. Yeah, he, he's you, you look at you look at the crop of human beings um, who are out there thinking about this stuff now. He's the most thoughtful, the most um, holistic thinker. And I, and you know he he's gonna be he's gonna be one of these guys in his eighties. He's still gonna be an important voice. So that's I'm excited about that. So you, you guys, uh, all you listen, follow follow Ruby on Twitter if you want to get a sense of um, you know sort of what we're talking about here because he's really doing a good job on this Ukraine thing. And a, talk about a contrast in leadership. <laughs> Are we talking about President Zelensky? Zelensky and President Biden. I mean, this guy, so, right? Like inspirational, he's just—I mean, I like you said, it's either going to be, it's either going to be one way or the other, but it's going to be different because the Ukrainian people have a taste of freedom, sure, man. and that they see a person standing up to Putin and to Russia. There's a right, yeah. There's a there's a long there's a long argument that's gone on in 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 um, historical people who, who talk about history and think about history in, in those circles about whether great men are born or whether they are drawn from their times, right? That, that, that the events of the time drive people to greatness, right? I don't know what the right answer is, but this guy is obviously being driven to greatness and he's responding to it. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not, you, you hope that you hope that if something like this happened to you, you'd do the same thing. But you don't know. You don't know until you until you do it. And the other thing about it is, you know, three years ago this guy was a comedian. Exactly. And now, and I've seen some of his comedy. I have no idea if he's any good, but but he's good at what he's doing now. Oh yeah. Whatever he was doing before was prefatory. He's doing what he should be doing. This is what he was born to well, do. Well, and the other thing that is happening is is they're winning the PR war. Well, I mean, clearly they would they had the advantage because Vladimir yeah. Putin is you know but, trash. But do you see the image of the second round of peace talks, yeah. where the Russians had like nine dudes in like old suits, yeah. like they were um, real yeah. you know um, accountants, and the Ukrainian team, three guys all dressed in like fatigues, yeah, basically fatigue, coming sure. coming in right. Yeah. It. it the whole Ukrainian thing, right? Is it? It speaks. It speaks to the American creation myth, right? They they are who we, they are who we imagine our forebears were, were, right? Right. You know, tough, strong, smart, and and doing something they didn't really want to do, but just like, hey, you guys have put us in no choice. Yeah, right? I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. So, so is everybody. I'm right? very, Talking about the roof I'm for just... these guys. The other thing about it that strikes me, you you're talking about it, misinformation disinformation is winning the propaganda wars um this this thing this invasion 10 days old now it's shown the limits of propaganda and misinformation the russians who are supposed to be masters at this they lost it in the first 10 hours oh man and you know 
they shut they shut down their entire country from information. Yeah, I know. Just, just my today, buddy right? told me last night because uh, she's got yeah. he's got a, his wife's Polish and he is, the Polish are like stepping up in a big way sure. for obvious reasons. Sure. If anyone knows anything about history, and I, I'm sure our audience does, they were p- throwing in restaurant reviews on Google Maps. They were throwing <laughs> information about what is going on, and it was a f- massive organized effort to flood google maps you've ever seen those those spontaneous like uh i don't remember the name of a producer where the people just start singing and yeah, a, yeah, like, flash mob, mob of information into russia before they could contain it and bottle it up yeah, i mean it it savvy it's it's been great and like i said i'm as a fact-based person i'm tremendously excited that facts actually like overwhelmed everything else right right away on this thing yeah but uh it does not take away from the horrific uh scenes going on out there where just civilians and and it's not good we're tough it's terrible and but we talked about seasoned you know thinkers in foreign policy this was a comment from uh the press secretary you know, I was at the State Department. The president was the vice president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern of horror from this president, from President Putin and from the cronies around him. Yeah. Okay, I don't think that she needed, she <laughs> I don't need, think she, she realized. She needed to restart that. The thing. slip. She needed to restart this president. But president Putin is the one I mean. Uh, and, and this is a reminder that uh, Vladimir Putin took Crimea during the Biden Obama Biden administration, sure. and nobody batted an eye. Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. And it was then, as it is now, about energy. It was in Crimea. It was about the oil reserves in the Black Sea. I, I give President Biden full credit for at least being willing to talk about this before it happened. Right to to alerting people. Uh, that, that's something I that I agree. I do pre- give President credit Obama where credit is not, due. President Obama did not do and tried to pretend the whole thing wasn't happening. I'll be honest. Happened. I thought a lot of it was like a dis- a distraction. I didn't actually think that yeah. Putin was going to do this. Uh, you know, it. I, 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 I really was convinced that it was saber rattling. No, and it, you know, so you, you know, somebody asked me recently. You know, was was President Biden going to get a bump from this if the Ukrainians wound up holding off the Russians? Typical Washington crap. Yeah, and the answer is yeah, he will. Yeah, four or five points. Um, question is about durability. He'll get it if it lasts. You know, he'll deserve it. It. I don't you know, think he, this, he, this this thing is going to last that long, though. I have no idea. You know, he he took a he took a hit on Afghanistan that he's never recovered from. I'm not saying this is same magnitude and importance to America, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad he got it right this time. Okay, um, a lot of lot flying around as a result of this thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, lots of questions about whether we should sanction Russian oil. Uh, a lot of questions about kind of what we should do uh, beyond what we've done. And um, we're, we're lucky to have Vice President Harris to sort of straighten stuff out for us. Where it hurts is to go after his oil and gas sector. And some senators agree, Republican and Democrat. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, for example, mentioned that the U.S. is still currently buying approximately 600,000 barrels of, of crude and uh, other petroleum products every single day. Is that on the table? Is that something that the administration would continue, or would consider in terms of further sanctions, cutting off the oil and gas uh, of the economy for Russia? 
Well, as you know, that on this issue, for example, we applaud Germany in terms of what it has done as it relates to Nord Stream 2, as it relates to what we need to do domestically as well as, as what we need to do in terms of this issue generally. We have, as the President said, um, reevaluated what we're doing in terms of the strategic oil reserve here in the United States to make sure that it will not have an impact or we can mitigate the impact on the American consumer. Uh, but let's, let's take this one step at a time, understanding that right now on the issue of energy, our allies have stood firm and unified in a way that many of the pundits didn't predict would happen um, to ensure that we are, we are unified in our approach to this issue. Apparently they're sending her somewhere. Yeah, where are they her sending her? San, the San Bernardino, the San Bernardino Valley. No, she, I think they're we, sending her somewhere overseas. The question her, is, well, how, how long will she be there? Just send her, to send her she to the might valley. Need to sit out this cycle, right? Uh, gosh, gosh, my God. <laughs> God, sorry. She's just, she's that's awful. It's, it's, it's not even the usual word salad. It's worse than uh, usual. And of course, if we do sanction Russian oil, that's okay because we've got a backup plan. Could the president possibly consider authorizing the Keystone Pipeline, uh, working something out with Iran? I mean, uh, look, the, the president has said that all options are on the table, but we also need to make sure that uh, uh, we're not galloping after permanent solutions to immediate short-term problems where uh, more strategic and tactical actions in the short term can make a difference. Yeah, so all, all, all hands are on deck, all tools <laughs> Thanks, are available Pete. except this. Now, there, there's an active conversation taking place uh, in the administration about trying to accelerate the Iran nuclear deal because part of it is to buy more of their oil. Oh, so so a state-sponsored terrorist I'm, I'm is swapping it out for a, a thug who's invading neighboring countries. I'm amazed. As opposed to what we could do here, potentially. Hmm. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that the Iranian deal guys didn't announce something the day after the invasion. That's what that's when I would have dropped it because it's going to be a piece of junk. I guarantee you, it's going to be terrible. Um, you know, you do it now. I, I don't understand why they're waiting. I've expected a lot more bad news to get dropped, and people just haven't. I think they're getting lazy. All you PR people out there, stop being lazy. Do your <laughs> job. All right. What else do we want to say about Ukraine? That's it. I'm. You know. I'm, you wanted to jag a little bit on Russian oil. Or is there more? I'm happy. I mean, bottom line is, you know, it doesn't really matter when um, it doesn't really matter what happens with sanctions, right? I told, I told everybody at top of the invasions, but you know, it's going to happen. We're going to sanction Russian. We're we're going to preclude the importation of Russian oil. We may sanction Gazprom and Rosneft, right? Um, this won't matter. It doesn't matter because it's, it's all happened. It's all happened right. by itself, right? Right. It, and, and I give credit where credit is due in the situation. I have been critical of corporations. Uh, yeah, they but don't, they don't want the, any part of this. BP and Exxon took some huge write downs. They they're well, exiting Russia. Well, 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 well. Okay, clarify for me, sir. Yeah, they announced they were exiting their joint ventures, right? Yeah. We'll see. Is so that I've what had, you're saying? I had a long conversation when I was in Houston this week with mm -hmm. a with a with a couple of lawyers who are you know who work for some of these companies, and I said, okay, so what exactly did they announce? What what you know? And they, well, they announced the exit from the joint venture. I'm like, and that's going to take how many days? Oh well, we're working that out. Ah, uh, so it's so, a little. Yeah, so you think it might be like? I think it might be one of these things they sit around and wait for six months and see what happens, mm -hmm. right? 
Okay. Well, saying, we'll see how that goes. Not but saying the, I'm cynical. But the sentiment was it was right. Was right. Yeah. If I was the Chinese, if I were the communists, I would be looking at this with some some concern because all this all this firepower that gets turned against the Russians could get turned against well, the Chinese uh, at some point. Wall Street Journal had a great piece about this about how uh, his kumbaya with with Putin just just at the beginning of the Olympics is not looking Xi, so good right now. Xi, with Xi, Xi Jinping. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it it you know we always think of our adversaries as great big giant people who are much smarter than we are, um, but if you had to pick lousy timing for the Chinese, right? And there like, are you know they basically announced their their new alliance with the Ukraine with Russia, like what three weeks before they yeah. decide, hey, we're going to go pop Ukraine. And there are Chinese nationals in Ukraine. Sure, there are. So the question is, is did he tip off his new, you know, his new buddy or not? So I don't know, the but you, know, Ukraine, China has to straddle a line here because they still have to do business with the West, even though they're, you know, they're doing their own thing, so to yeah, speak. The, um, so it it is a. Ladies and gentlemen, you did not know that we were also foreign policy experts, but hopefully, now you do. <laughs> hopefully, it's a cautionary tale to the Chinese, right? That they yeah. they're gonna they're gonna think before they do they do something rash in, with respect to Taiwan. So Kamala Harris, the Vice President Harris, said something in her ramble there that uh, struck me. And, and Are you I, sure she said something? She said her allies. She's impressed about how her allies have stepped up on energy. Willie Brown? Um, <laughs> easy. Where's that OBHAVE button? <laughs> she's right. What do you mean? Germany has been woke, has, has been radicalized by yeah, this. That's a good way to say it. Rightly so. Uh, the new the new Merkel, I can't remember what's his name. Schultz. Schultz announced immediately sending anti-aircraft missiles into Ukraine. First time that Germany has done anything that wasn't pacifist in Europe since World War II. One, two, more importantly, as it relates to our world, LNG terminals are on the fast track. Nuclear is is being uh, the phase out is is being reconsidered, mm-hmm. and they're burning some coal right now to offset some of their dependence on on Russian gas. Yeah, I think that's all good. Um, I got two thoughts about it. First off, good to have um, good to have the former president's um, sentiments in Europe totally vindicated, completely and validated. NATO. Well, it's not just Germany, right? Who who announced that hey, we're going to go up to two percent GDP on defense, which is what. President Trump had asked them to do. It's also the Swedes and Finns want to join NATO, right? They want to stop being neutral. I'm like, yeah, I guess I see that. Yeah. That's thought one. Thought two is, and a more important thought, um, not that Europe isn't the center of the world, but they're not. Um, the myth of the energy transition is dead. Oh, I hope you're right. It's dead. You know, if it's I if it's if it's right. fragile enough that it can't survive this kind of thing, which I realize is the center of our of 40, world attention right 40% now. Forty percent of Western Europe depends on Russian natural gas right now. Yeah. Um, no, let me rephrase. It's a little bit bigger than I'll tell. You, I'll give you the numbers. Four hundred BCM. The Europeans run about four hundred BCMs a year of natural gas. That's what they use. They import almost two hundred of that from the Russians. It's almost half. Right. Um, Quarter about a quarter of the oil that they use, right? About that percent. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot. This this energy transition thing, dead, dead, or deadest. It it'll take a while to unwind though, because the infrastructure, the apparatus is still in place. You the mean green the prop- left? You mean right? the propaganda stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that that uh, 
is what was that was what was on my mind uh, this week when I was on with Stuart Varney on Fox Business. You were on with Stuart Varney. I was. Should I play a, a small little clip from that? Tom, would you do us all a favor and play a clip from that? I think I will. Yeah, but Bernie Sanders, he's calling for windfall profits tax on oil companies and price controls. American Energy Alliance, the president thereof is Tom Pyle, and Tom Pyle joins me now. What do you make of that? Price controls and a windfall profits stuff. Go ahead. Have at it, please. Same old, same old yeah. from Bernie, right? I mean, you, I'm not sure who had a worse take on this. Him or John Kerry, when John Kerry said the Ukraine situation is distracting our efforts on climate change. I mean, these two guys, between them, the Democratic Party has a huge problem. They are captured. They have a, the, the green left has a vice grip on these guys. And every policy that they promote leads to this is their very plan. They want these prices to go up so that they can promote their alternatives. But then what do they do when they do go up? They blame everybody but themselves. It's like a perfect thing for a politician, right? Mm. So, I mean, Bernie's been, we, we've heard this from Bernie forever and ever. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think the, the Greens have too strong a hold on the Democrat Party. So we're not going to reverse course on energy. That's a very bad thing. What do you say? I, I could, I, I absolutely agree. And it's unfortunate because... This is this is real, real pain. And now the West is seeing the results of years and years and years of getting energy policy advice from Swedish teenagers, former bartenders and washed up socialists. We need grownups running energy policy. We have the most energy underneath our lands and waters as anyone else in the world, including Russia. There's no reason for us for this situation other than bad, bad Western leaders promoting bad policies that are driven by the green left. The only What's the exit strategy for the Democrats? I mean, they are captured by the infrastructure, the green. Inf I mean, they are the, they are the new union for yeah. the Democratic Party, and they're still not backing away. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the state of the union, but like. He, he keeps saying he's got all these tools to help with energy prices. We've got a list of all those tools that they're not even touching. Yeah. And when it, when you say we're, we're this is the beginning of the end, but yeah. like, how, what's the off ramp for the Democrats? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, I saw it. I don't know what the off ramp for the Democrats is on the larger thing. I, I've, I've been watching the climate change thing. They're going to change the language. Right, they're going to define stuff away and change the language around it. So redefine what's green. It's that right. What the what the Europeans did at the back end of last year, right? Hey, nuclear power, natural gas count as green for investment purposes. But I follow Andy Rifkin, a former New York Times reporter on Twitter, right? And he started to talk he's about the climate guy. He's the climate guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he started to talk about the difference between how humans are affected by climate and how they're affected by climate change. And those are two very different things, you know, Tom. And I, right away, I thought, that's just in the last 10 days. I thought, I thought ah, because I wondered how they're, how they're going to fail. So are they going to decouple day-to-day -day climate climate events now? or Because that's their, that's their money. Eventually. Hurricanes, yeah. forest fires, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think drought, it, sea level. It, this thing's going to fade away. I mean, don't get me wrong. We probably got 10, 12 years of, of damage Ugh. left here. But, but it's, it's it, if you can't survive a six-day... Um, invasion of one sad, sick, alcoholic country. 
um, an invasion by one sad, sick alcoholic well, country of its much smaller I mean, the neighbor. The country's not alcoholic. Several of the individuals who live there are, but the, the whole country wants down <laughs> A sad, sick, aging um, country invading its With much a smaller madman in charge. Invading its much smaller neighbor. If, if your theory of the world is not strong enough to survive that, you're probably not very strong. Let's move on. Well, to the, the good news is is that EA Sports is <laughs> taking the Russians out of their FIFA soccer oh, game too. Sake. So yeah, I. So the poor, the poor Russian kids, they didn't do any, anything to deserve that. Yeah, the dumbest one of these things, other than the international cat competition, which I didn't even realize there were <laughs> such things. The Paris Opera last week, uh, last weekend, announced it wasn't going to perform Boris Gudunov, the famous Tchaikovsky opera. I'm like, literally, Tchaikovsky's That's been... That's one of the few things that is good about Russia, Tchaikovsky's right? been dead for like 150 years. Let yeah, it leave go, him go, right, man. Right, Come right. on. It's... That's the thing about this People, this world. Right. When the when <sighs> when institutions, businesses have to comment on everything going on. Yeah, the silliness sneaks in. That's the noise. Yeah, right. Well, you, know, you have that's a bunch of It's because so. it's cause, and this is not in fact the um, slam the PR professionals podcast, but maybe it should be. Um, that's what happens when you know the PR guys do stuff, right? They're poorly educated. Uh, point, they don't know anything about a, anything. A point sustainability. So they wind up, you know, they wind up. Hey, we should cancel Boris Gudunov because it's about a Russian czar. Stand with we stand with the West. Right? Yeah, we stand with Ukraine. All right, I got one more uh, for Russia. I want to close it out with the ambassador to Ukraine speaking directly and succinctly to the ambassador of Russia. Well, as I said, relinquish your duties as a chair. Call Putin. Call Lavrov to stop aggression. And I welcome the decision of some members of this council to meet as soon as possible to consider the necessary decision that would condemn the aggression that you launch on my people. There is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell, Ambassador. I have to be honest I, before we leave. I just got to say, I'm thrilled and surprised and amazed that um, that guy could even reference purgatory and hell and not <laughs> not flinch at all. I, I try to imagine an American diplomat saying, hey, there's no purgatory. They'd be like, well, you know, I don't really believe there's a God. It strikes me. Uh, we, we, you know, there's no separation of church and state here. Right. It strikes, <laughs> me, it strikes me that maybe people who are actually facing a legitimate existential threat, maybe that focuses your thinking a little bit. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Should we get on to Please. the State yes. of the Union address? The State of the Union? Absolutely. The president spoke to a maskless audience last this past tuesday and wowed the crowd with some of his rhetoric kitty which part what are your what are your takeaways oh from the state of the union yes sir that was the most boring set of regurgitated democratic talking points i've ever heard two things right repackaged though it's no longer build back better it's and climate change was mentioned how many times twice in eight thousand words and they botched it because the ipcc Heat up another doomsday softball uh, yeah, for them, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't take the IPCC seriously. I mean, who in the world does a report like that right in the middle of what we're in the middle of? Wait a week, it'll go better. Um, yeah, I thought two, two things. Right, one is regurgitate talking points. Uh, they had a speech written before all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, And they actually they just bookended they just it with some Ukraine stuff yeah, and kind of rewrote around the yeah. middle to be softer yeah. on climate, basically, is my take so on that, Yeah, that's right. So that, that's that's thing one. Thing two is, 
the, 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 don't, don't talk about the speech the itself. The speech itself is just terrible and a pointless waste of time. And and some American president is eventually going to give up on it and just send a letter up to the hill like everybody did uh, to I Wilson. Think, right? I think Trump should have done that. It, Although it, his state of unions were really good, it, actually. It, it was. It was discussed. Yeah. The one time I had. The one time I had to 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 say something about it. I took a pass because I knew it was going to be my right, own. right. You the only state of the union I was going to right, right. Well, you, it was going to be the only... have a, had a, the pen on it if you didn't want to write. You know. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was the only state of the union I was going to be around for. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to try to talk him out of yeah, it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got it. And yeah, it was. You know, it was um, that night. Was look the thing about Trump that differentiates him from Biden a bunch of things. But one is he understood good TV. Oh sure, and he knew the state of the union was lousy TV. Just lousy, which is why he gave that award to Rush Limbaugh. Like he's like, hey, congratulations, right on the spot. Let's right? do something to yeah, make this better yeah. TV. And the the um, vibe in the room was very raucous, right? It was it was a fun. Yeah, it was it was like watching a high school basketball game between two friendly rivals. Well, right? the other thing was the, um, <laughs> you know, the other thing Trump and I don't think Pelosi understood this when she tore up his speech. They loved it. Made for oh, great yeah. TV. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, dude, you're a prop. Don't you understand your right. actual role in this thing? Right. Anyway, this thing, you know. This time she did that little weird, yeah, little like, weird thing. Yeah, thing which I saw is that. Kind of creeped out all it, over the place. It, anyway, it was, a, it was a great big giant nothing burger. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say is a great big giant nothing burger. And I don't understand why he yelled the whole thing. It, it was, did. I was, I, I was doing homework and listening to it more than I was watching it. I'm like, I could turn it on the TV. I'm like, why is this guy yelling at us all the time? All right, two quick highlights. The highlights? Two, two <laughs> quick clips. Uh, he had a chance to, like, this was his, like, bring up, bring the house down moment, and he just couldn't quite get it out of his mouth from the prompter. Hold on. We stand with you. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish <laughs> their love of freedom, and he will never, <laughs> never weaken the resolve of the free world. It, it, it. Oh, I guarantee you, by putting his tanks at Kiev, he won't, he won't extinguish we the love of freedom in the Iranian <laughs> people. <laughs> the Iranian people. You know, he's kind of a, he's just kind of goofy. He's <laughs> kind uh, of weird at some point. All right, here's the other one I noticed. I thought this was pretty interesting. I've ordered more pills than anyone in the world has. <laughs> uh, that is an accomplishment right there. I don't even want to know, right? <laughs> okay. All right, moving on. Some announcements, some, some U.S. Senate announcements. I wonder, if, I wonder if Jill's happy about that. About more ordering more pills. Yeah. Than, uh, I mean, he clearly <laughs> needs them, right? All right. Uh, it is a bittersweet, but with a clear heart that Kay and I announced that the at the end of the year, I will retire from the United States yeah. Senate. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who has trusted me with your vote over these many years. It has been an honor to serve you in the Senate. May God bless you and God bless Oklahoma. Yeah. Jim Inhofe. Senator right? Jim Inhofe. Yeah. Good guy. Um Good guy. It's going to be an interesting little tussle to see who replaces him. Yeah, he's, he's trying to uh, appoint his chief of staff. Chief of staff, kid in Luke Holland. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a kid. He's a grown man. He's 34, 35. We call 34-year-olds kids because we're, you know, Well, 50s, it doesn't help so. that Luke looks like he's about 24, right, 22. I mean, um, he's a good guy. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how the race is going to go. I'm not sure who I'm supposed to be in favor of. 
but um, but we'll see. Speaker, who else is running in that? Uh, T.W. Shannon. T.W. Shannon. Yeah, um, Luke, T.W. Shannon, uh, a rich dude uh, whose name escapes me, Rick Hurt, Hind, something like that. Um, there'll be there'll be three or four others, and it'd be one somebody in the delegation is going to run, right? Uh, Mark Wayne Mullen probably. Um, so it's going to be a pretty crowded, uh, pretty crowded Republican thing. This th- these seats do not come up often, right? Right. I mean, I think Lang- Langford won in two thousand or two thousand two. I mean, it's been twenty years since the last one of these came open. Um, you know, Inhofe. Um, a long and distinguished career in the Senate, and and you know, it's it's funny because he was like. This kooky, crazy conservative, right? And yeah. like the world kind of changed, and he it yeah. never changed, but he's sort of landed somewhere in the right of center, yeah, in the spectrum, right? Yeah, that's right. And what 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 wound up driving him home is his wife is not, um, yeah, not well at all, right? She she she's been sick for a while. I, I'm and a that little should tell you a little something about his character, also. Well, you know, they've known each other since kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's very much a homebody. They've known each other since kindergarten. He and his children live in different houses on the same block in Tulsa. Um, that used to be me growing up, believe it or not. Uh, all my cousins, we all lived on the same street in a little tiny town. Yeah, so. wasn't uncommon. Um, nice thing, right? Anyway, mm-hmm. so so. Um, I actually expected it about uh, eight weeks ago. I expected before the end of last year, not not this year. I'm sorry for him. Sorry for Kay. I'm um, I'm a little concerned about the staffers there who are friends, but we'll see how it goes. All right, uh, one more little Senate update. <laughs> Wall Street Journal today: Why I'm defying Beltway cowardice by Senator Rick Scott of Florida. I have committed heresy in Washington. I've been in the Senate for only three years. And I have released an 11-point plan with 128 ideas on what Republicans should do after we win the coming elections and take control of the Senate and House. In the real world, beyond the Beltway, Republicans and independents demand bold action and a plan to save our nation. They see no point in taking control of Congress if they are simply going to return to business as usual. Yeah. You want to do a little background on this for our audience? I'm sure uh, most I, of them are, are aware, but we've got some folks who are not following us every day. I do because I'm I'm as agitated as Senator Scott is about this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he put out an 11 point plan, right? Called the agenda for 2022 or something. I you know something, right? Anyway, um, in it, there's 11 points with about anywhere from six to um, ten sub units in each point it is yeah, about what a, you'd expect it's a business plan right it's you a business know. plan and, and, and from I've, a business guy i've said this about senator scott yeah. for a long time he is a businessman he runs his campaigns like businesses so lean anyway, and mean lean and mean right he spends what he needs to spend no more no less um anyway a fairly anodyne agenda if i asked you to if i asked you to sit down and write an 11 point plan with you know 50-odd sub-points for your run-of-the-mill Republican senator, you would come up with something that looked a lot like this, right? Um, Anyhow, um, so he took a bunch of fire from the um, Senate Republican leadership. I'm going to put leadership in quotes, um, Senator Thune, Senator Corn, and Senator McConnell, because they thought that it would give the Democrats a target at which to shoot in 2022, that the better answer was to run simply against Biden. Okay, so... Somebody in the Washington Times wrote a column that 
hey, that's part of the problem with this crowd, right? That, you know, the way, the way democracy is supposed to work is candidates say what they're going to do. You vote for them or don't vote for them on the basis of whether you think it's a good or a bad idea. And then when they get elected, they do it. Because if you don't do that, then democracy breaks down pretty quick. It was bad enough in the Senate that at his weekly presser last week, McConnell walked out and with Scott there, attacked the agenda. Like he's sitting and standing in the gaggle with him. Well, I thought um, he left a vote. Scott, I thought he walked, he out walked to away. Vote. At, he no, walked he away. He walked away after it, okay. after it became yeah. obvious what was going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. gave him no warning. He gave him no yeah. chance to defend himself. I'm a big fan of Senator McConnell, but that was way out of bounds. He shouldn't have uh, done me, that. Let me read this. With that context, let me read this part. I've been told there are unwritten rules in Washington about what you can and cannot say. You can't tell the public that Social Security and Medicare are going bankrupt. You can't talk about term limits because while voters want them, nobody in Washington does. You can't talk about balancing the budget or shrinking the debt. Turns out you also can't point out that the federal government has figured out how to disconnect many Americans from fiscal reality. Um, there will be many more attacks on me and this plan from careerists in Washington who personally profit while ruining this country, bring it on. The American people are fed up, and they will show that at the ballot box this November. Yeah. I'm um, not pretty, have a decent idea of who he's referring to in that last little part. Sure. I, I'm and good. it speaks to Rick Scott, too, by the way, who uh, is his own man, has always been his own man. And it. You know, t t it's pretty telling. A couple of things real quick. I, you know, first off, Rick Scott's got himself a, a pretty impressive personal story, right? He grew up in poverty, a, a child of a single mom, um, lived in Section 8 housing for some chunk of his life, right? And rose to become a, a literally self-made man, a billionaire. That's right? right. So, yeah, I can imagine his tolerance for the um, for the career stooges around here is probably pretty minimal. Um, speaking as a D.C. careerist um, who's not trying to destroy the country, I like him a lot. I encourage you – I never encourage people to read columns, um, my columns, because usually they're just you know retreaded um, ideas you all heard. Read my column on Rick Scott. I, I feel pretty strongly about it. And, and, that is in the Washington Times, who yeah. uh, is generous enough to include us in their list of supported yeah. podcasts. Thank you very much. And thank you, by the way, also for um, – Printing my op-ed on BlackRock. You're very excellent. I'm calling for the sanctioning of BlackRock. Yeah, and I, I refer our listeners to that as well because it's pretty yeah. Good. One last thought on Rick Scott. Right, he's running for president in 2024. He's going to be a tough out. He's got he's got a clear theory of the case. He's out of the gate early. He's not afraid of people, and he doesn't have to worry about raising money. It, it's going to be an sounds like someone else I <laughs> we know, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it it yeah it does. Yeah. I, I'm I'm I'm. I'm not talking myself into it yet, but I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to have him in the mix. How about if we say it that way? Yeah, definitely. I remember when uh, Obama uh, sprinkled a whole bunch of tr high speed rail money at him from Orlando to Tampa, and he said thank you, but no thank you, because he knew what that entailed. Can you, uh, AKA high speed rail in California bullet train, right? So, when do governors? Tell the president, I don't, I don't want your free money because I know what the strings come with. Seriously, keep your cash. All right. Um, one from Ron Klain here. I want to pop Hell this yeah. up real quick. Uh, I guess he apparently 
uh, he, I guess voters are just a little bit slow on the draw. I've worked in the White House twice before uh, in times of economic recovery. What I, what I can tell you is that the economy comes back first and voters internalize that second. Uh, they, they, they need to see that the positive signs they're seeing aren't just temporary. They need to see that they really reflect where we're going as a country. They need to see that really that growth will be shared widely. Uh, they need to see that that growth is lasting. Yeah, that's the challenge, right? They just don't understand us. <laughs> that's the thing with these guys. Every time they get shellacked in, a, in an election, what is, what's their line? Uh, I don't know. People are too stupid to follow no, our greatness. No, no, no. You know what it is? People love our ideas. Oh, we're not communicating them well enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I never quote Frank Luntz. I try real hard not to. But Frank Luntz used to tell his customers, uh, I agree 100% with this. He used to say, you know what? Saying that you're not communicating well isn't the same as communicating well. You know what I mean? He's like, if you're not communicating well, that's your fault too. Yeah, bingo. Um, who's going to get fired? Can anybody in this White House do something? Yeah. Like, is, okay. there, is there a threshold? Because, man, so I had a, there's just not a lot of like. So it occurred to me recently, what's going on here? You, you want my, you want my, I, you want my always, big theory of life? Always. The three guys who actually run this place, Clay, Mike Donilon, Steve Rochetti, um, all have one thing in common. Well, they have a couple of things in common, a bunch of old white guys like me. Um, but other thing they have in common is they're lobbyists. And they've never, ever, ever steamrollered somebody, I'll bet. So no idea ever dies because nobody ever just gets told no. What you get told by the lobbyists is, well, let's keep thinking about that. Or I'm not sure that's my favorite idea. Instead of just like, yeah, we're not doing that. Right, just just, just <laughs> yeah, forget that. Yeah, That's yeah. an idiot idea, right? Yeah. Um, you try to think about what a world looks like if it's run by lobbyists. It looks a lot like the Biden administration, and I think that's where we are. Yeah, it's funny because when I was uh, repping uh, a a company here in town, and I'd bring CEOs in, and we would sit down with members, and they would pretty much just agree with them on every point. And the CEO comes out, and we're walking down the hall to the car, and he's like, "Great meeting." Well, that was easy. Like, sure. yeah, like, why is this so difficult? I'm like, um, because <laughs> these people just lied to you, boss. Nobody ever says no to anybody in this town. Seriously, that's why you pay me so that we can figure out when yes means yes and yes means no, or get. The yes means no to yes means yes. Yeah. It, so it, it just, that's, it's terrible. That's it a is horrible, terrible. terrible place. Well, and, you know, and, and everybody I'll leave, run, go I'll establish you, residency elsewhere. I'll tell you exactly what I thought about this. I thought about this in, in context of the FERC policy statements last week, right? Where they said, Hey, we're going to make it tougher to build pipelines. They didn't say that, but that's practical effect, right? We're going to make it tougher to build pipelines and LNG terminals at the exact moment when you need more pipelines and LNG terminals, you want more pipelines and LNG terminals. And I thought, how does this thing get resolved? And the answer is a normal in a normal administration, somebody in the White House will call up the FERC chairman and say, in a spirit of you being an independent regulatory agency, you know, we're very we very much are interested in blah 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 accelerating. Yeah, we this value process. your independence, but 
But you know what? These guys are not going to do that because yeah. they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to talk about FERC next week. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yay, this is an energy, great. partially an energy podcast. I am done. I'm getting out of here. I got to go home. What do you do? You have anything else want to close with? Uh, no. no. All right. So um, we get one more from the State of the Union and then let's get the heck out of here. Ready? Protect our truth. Thank you. Go get him. Thank you. Go get him. <laughs> Who's him? I don't know. Let's find out though. <laughs> who is him? We're supposed to go get him. Somebody it is. tell me who him is. Dave Matthews. Namaste. Namaste. Oh, that's your line. Sorry. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> 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 <laughs>